My name is Kyle Willis, and this is Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. Welcome back to a new episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. We are carrying on our series on sales as we've been covering the last few weeks, and I'm really excited to be jumping in today's topic on how to confidently sell using story behind your product or service. Uh, our guest on the show today is Dan McCann, and I have had the privilege of getting to know Dan, uh, been able to really learn from him how he's been incorporating story into his his sales process and sales culture, and in his company, being able to bring a change to the way sales representatives are able to communicate and serve their customers. So Dan, thank you so much for being here with us in the Roosevelt Room today. Yeah, thanks Kyle, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Awesome, Dan. Well, as we're talking story, let me begin by building our, our foundation here. You know, from our conversations, I know that you've been in sales for what, over 30 years, if I have my numbers right. And I'd love to know just where, where your interest and in, in career in sales began. What's the, the genesis of what's brought us here today? Yeah, I, you know, I like to, I like to say I was an entrepreneur at heart. I, I believe, uh, when I was in college, I, uh, I wanted to become a lawyer. My father was an attorney. I went and interned with him and, and he spent the whole summer trying to talk me out of it uh, and, and give me all the reasons why I, I, I don't want to go down and become a, uh, an attorney as a profession. I like to think it because he was helping me, but I think yeah. it was maybe he realized I wasn't smart enough uh, to do that. But, he, but his guidance was, hey, there's only 2,000 hours in a year, you're only billing by hours, you know, go find, you know, some opportunities that you can scale, grow. And, and what led me down the path of, of finding sales as an opportunity uh, to, you know, be able to find products, sell products and, and do something that could scale easily. And knowing full well that I had entrepreneurial heart and I always wanted to start my own company. You know, I figured anytime I got a business in trouble, if I knew how to sell, you could always sell your way out of trouble. So I figured that was a good core foundation. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay. So in, in that foundation, you know, we've been talking about um, the, the in past podcasts here with Roosevelt. We've talked about the future of, of sales. We've talked about um, some sacred cows in sales. And as we're talking here today about bringing storytelling into sales, we'd love to just have a little insights from you of what you've seen over those 30 years, maybe the last five to 10 years to make it more specific, of what's changed in sales in the buying process where, you, where you'd say storytelling is now more important than ever. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you, you brought up the buying process, right? Because I think early on, you know, 30 years ago, and I, I guess I'm, I'm guess I'm old at this point, but, you know, I always struggled. I never wanted to be a pitch sales guy. I never wanted to be a product sales guy. I didn't want to go into a meeting and tell everyone, here's all my great things, so you need to buy it. It, it was just, I always just felt that was wrong, right, early on. So I always had this inclination of trying to sell solutions and identify what people cared about. Like, why do you want to buy my, my stuff? Right. I'm whatever I'm selling from corporate travel to sales training, to enablement, to, you know, printing and lithography, it didn't matter, but why, why did it matter to them? Right. And, and so that was always important to me. And over the last five to 10 years, I think that's the biggest change, right? And you look at, you know, you know, social media, the internet, what they have brought, I think the buyer's journey, is really the biggest change that I've seen yeah. and, 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 and really identifying that uh, buyer's journey and, and how well educated they are, how much they know about the product solutions and their problems, you know, when they interact with, with a sales rep. But I, I, that's, I think the biggest, the biggest difference in the five, 10 years is that buyer's journey. So is it more that you're seeing in, in the buyer's journey that they're more educated, more experienced, or more questionable, more have more doubts? What, what about the buyer's journey would you say is different or that the sales rep has to be more prepared for? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a, they're more educated, right. Going on the internet, look, you know, going to Google to ask whatever question they have about a business problem. It does force businesses and selling organizations to align their content and context back to, you know, what the, what the buyers are looking for. But what I, what I think, Kyle, what I think is the coolest part about this is you're now having, you know, buyers who are coming to those conversations, looking to engage you on their challenges and their business problems. So no longer, you know, like I, I didn't enjoy pitching a product, right? I also yeah. didn't enjoy walking into a sales meeting and someone going, okay, give me your pitch. What? Give me your pitch. Right. And, and, and I, you know, early on in my sales career, that's what happened. And it, you know, it took a lot of effort to spin that from give me your best pitch or your elevator pitch and, you know, being able to probe and ask some questions and, and really align with them. It was so much more difficult back then. Now buyers are coming in and say, no, Dan, I know what you do. I, I looked it up. I, you know, I, tra- I saw Sim train. I, I understand what frontline selling is. I understand you. Let's talk about the business problems you guys are solving. And I want to share with you ours and see if you can align. It's, it's, it's a much more engaging dialogue today. And it forces sellers to be more in tune with their buyer's needs and being able to align to the buyer more effectively. And I know you said, hey, let's talk a little bit about story today. Yeah. And there's, there's, two, there's two types of stories, Kyle, right? There's the story that says, hey, Kyle, you know, uh, uh, you know, enough about me. Why don't you tell me about me? And, or let, let me tell you a story about me versus let me tell you a story about my customers. Let me tell you a story about you know, their, their struggles, what they were looking to do. Let me tell you a story about what these folks are doing now. And, and if you're putting the right emphasis in the story on the customer, on those business problems that they have and how they're solving them, you know, it, it makes it way more enjoyable to talk to new prospects because you're now talking about their language instead of forcing some awkward language about Dan McCann down their throat and <laughs> nobody cares. It just, I mean, seriously, I mean, no one cares. I, I certainly resonate with that. I think as, as we work with our agency and in that sales process as well, there's a high level of skepticism and, and, you know, I think of what we do in digital marketing, unfortunately, our industry has kind of become like the new used car salesman. Everyone out there is offering some course or some get rich quick scheme. It feels like, so when you hear, Oh, you do SEO, you do advertising, you do web design, people have this un warranted skepticism because they feel like, ah, it's everyone else and their mother's doing that. I could have my 12 year old niece through my social media, but that aspect you're talking about of understanding, basically building trust in your, in your, in the relationship, in the, in the buyer's journey is what we've seen open those doors to then people say, okay, I'm going to have a conversation with you now. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my, my problem and see if you can be that knight in shining armor or not. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I look at it. I mean, from, from my perspective, how you and I got to, you know, meet each other and got to know each other. Right. And, yeah. and that was from marketing from the Roosevelt room. Right. And, and in those conversations, I, I asked, Hey, tell me a little bit more about, you know, what you do about no to the quo, right. The status quo and, and what that business is all about. And it was like, you know, just a natural, you know, transition, if you will, to get to better know you, but the things that you do for customers, because, you know, and, and, and even prospects. And, and so the time that you spend with marketing from the Roosevelt room, it helps your customers, it helps your future prospects, but it's also, it helps other people in the marketplace get a better concept and idea of what's important to them as it relates to, you know, their digital content, their media, the things that your core business no to the quo does, you know, marketing from the Roosevelt room supports that and helps that. I, I was very Thank intrigued and interested to get to know you better because of your journey and how you go to market. I, I just, you know, I just, I, from that perspective, you know, cause, and by the way, you know, I'm two years into a new startup after a 30 year, you know, career in sales and, and, and 15, 17 years actually running a business and I'm two years in. So I'm going down that same journey as, as you are. And, and learning from each other, I think, is just the best way to do it, collaborate and, and better understand how people are being successful at, at providing better content, better context to conversations and, and what they're delivering. That's, it was one of the things that you know, kind of drew me to, 
to you and your Thank journey. You. I'm, I'm honored to hear that, Dan. Thank you very much. And I think that's, you know, as, as we connected, I think one of the things I got excited about, and I'm going to get ahead of myself here, we're going to come back to this foundation of telling story, what goes into it. But I think one, I want to, I want to reciprocate uh, what you're sharing. Of, and I think one of the things I loved is I got into getting to know you, getting to know SimTrain, the company you started a couple of years ago, uh, that you saw an opportunity in, in the sales culture today. You saw an opportunity that there was a need for real-time problem solving, that there wasn't another provider out there in the sales culture giving what you needed. And I think, you know, as I've learned a little bit about you, that SimTrain was, was a spinoff of a company you still own and advise with called Frontline for our listeners' sake. But, you know, Frontline provided sales enablement software. And let me know if my, my memory is off on this or, you know, from what I understand about Frontline. Sure. But it was in yep. sales enablement software and, and services for C-level. And you saw, okay, this is great. It's working really well. I mean, tell me what it's about. Almost 20 years that you've been with Frontline, that you started Frontline and advising them now. Is that, is that right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, about about almost 20 years. Almost exactly. 20 years. Yep. So in those 20 years, though, you said this is great. I love it, but it's not enough. There, There's a greater opportunity here, and there's a real struggle with being able to scale sales in organizational palette. And that's what led you to say, okay, sim, there's something out there I need to create, and that's where SimTrain was birthed out of. So... Walk me through that that foundation. Walk me through what that mindset was like for you, what that process was like for you, and then, of course, what SimTrain is doing today to be able to scale sales organizations and, and uh, improve talent. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I don't know if the thought process ever, you know, was at some point, hey, this isn't enough, right, you know, okay. in terms of what Frontline was doing. And, you know, and Frontline continues to do outbound prospecting and having a software to enable customers to be more effective at, at prospecting and, and social uh, and leveraging social in their prospecting activities. But in that journey, right, I, I was the COO. I was kind of, I drew the short straw. Myself and my partner were both, you know, sales background guys. <laughs> and, you know, I, I drew the straw and said, hey, you make all this stuff work. I'll, I'll just go sell it. I was like, oh, okay. You know, fine. I'll, I'll figure I'll figure this stuff out, right? So, you know, as as we were doing that and as we were growing the business and scaling, you know, we, we, we ran into trouble. I mean, you know, challenges, if you will, right? I mean, you know, the, the quality of what we did between, you know, sales rep 12 and sales rep 20 there was a distinct difference, right? And onboarding those folks and growing from 20 to 50, you know, the, it, it just became as an organization grows and expands, it's harder to reinforce and drive repetition and get skills to where they needed to be. And, and, and again, as the COO, it was my job to try everything, right? I, I, I hired, you know, expensive salespeople. I, I revamped our training every other year, if you will. You know, I tried things like increasing transparency to the organization and culture. And I even tried the other side, forcing policy. How do I get folks to, to be confident, to be confident, to, to roll through uh, what they need to do to deliver the quality expectations that we were setting yeah. with our customers, you know, for, for all our new hires, right? And, and so over time, we realized that we had this little tool that we were using that was just kind of recording and playing back the sales conversation for our, our inside sales reps. And then we started building some, some automated uh, scoring into it, which is something I loved because then I could put my coaches back on the phones and didn't have them needing to work with the new hires. So the, 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 the mechanism would, would, you know, kind of score it and give instant feedback to our new hires. And we were getting really good results, great feedback from the new hires. Like, Hey, I love getting through this rep getting hands feel it and and it's really helping me and you know you know one of the things I didn't share with you when, when I was told by my father I wasn't smart enough to be an attorney so <laughs> go sell I kind of I, I I always wanted to, to to coach I always wanted to be a teacher I always wanted to you know help people grow and so for me it kind of always hit this spot right it's like yeah. oh my goodness you know we, we're kind of figuring something out here and we reached out to our partners and you know some of our advisors and say hey how do we make this better what do we do that's more and kind of the feedback coming back to us, like, well, wait a minute, what are you doing? So you're, you're able to combine the conversation with 
the the CRM or the desktop and recreate those selling situations for your like we haven't seen anything like that. It's like, wait, really? Yeah. So we were learning that there was a need in the marketplace, right? Yeah. And so for us, you know, we got really excited about that. And so, you know, it, it was kind of like the market drew us in, right? Uh, you know, still love what, you know, the folks at what we're doing at Frontline and, and the service we provide. But, you know, the market was saying, hey, we can use this. What about us? Can yeah. you sell this to us? And it, it didn't, it didn't align perfectly, right? Because, you know, who needs that inside sales teams of 500, 5,000, or even 10, 15, right? So, you know, and, and, and those organizations. So we cut, we spun it off and, and, and went to market and said, yeah, we definitely think, you know, companies can benefit from this. And, and we're seeing a lot of success early on. So it is more of a, a pursuit of passion, Kyle, if you will. Well, I love the passion is met by the need in the, in the marketplace. You saw that need and you had a passion to be able to not only explore it, but build a solution to it. And first off, it was an internal product. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to build this just to sell it. But it was, no, this was a passion project. This is what we're already doing internally. So now how do we create right. this for the market? How do you create this for other salespeople who want that opportunity, that feedback? So in that though, what I love to now dig in a little bit about, you know, who talked to uh, where SimTrain is, what what uh, how this grew out of Frontline, the need to be able to provide real time feedback and and to scale your sales team. Well, uh, what role does uh, the storytelling play in this? What role do you see? And you know, talked about being able to uh, join the customer's journey, being able to understand their needs. When Frontline was poised with this challenge of how to scale, where where did you see? Ah, oh, SimTrain is going to be able to serve the market, and it's going to be being being able to provide that feedback, provide that analysis into the buyer's journey. Yeah. No, I think, you know, as it relates to, you know, the, the buyer's journey, being able to provide that feedback, I mean, and, and without getting into features and functionality of SimTrain, because that defeats the whole purpose of telling the story, sure. right, is, is, you know, just being able to have a, a, a mechanism, a, a, um, a system, right, that has some, you know, conversational AI built in that does that automatic scoring. It provides a, a, a safe environment for a sales rep, right? And, and what's, what's kind of cool is I, I'm now a sales rep, right? After 30 years of, of selling and being a COO and owner of a company, and even though I'm the CEO of, of SimTrain, I'm out selling it every day, right? And, 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 and what's, what's really cool is everyone that works at SimTrain is out selling SimTrain. Because what we're doing is we're just telling you know, prospects, what our customer stories are and what our, what our customers are doing. So it's almost like fun. If you pull that away from anyone at SimTrain, oh, you're no longer going to sell. I think, I think they'd be really upset because they're like, no, I want to keep telling these stories. I want to share the success, right? The success that our customers are having with new folks and, and new people. So I think that, you know, where, where it fits in, right, is, is being able to let somebody, you know, like myself, right, I, I, and, and, and I struggle, right, early on, like, oh, how do I get this over? How do I get perfect the story? How do I work through it yeah. and, and do it? And so, you know, having this environment where I could go in and sit in and, and speak to a computer and have the computer speaking back to me, and engaging in that dialogue and then scoring me and telling me, hey, Dan, you know, you didn't do so good in these areas and I can go back and listen to myself. It's almost like I'm not being judged by somebody, right? So I get through it. I get repetition. It makes me feel good. The same way someone coming right out of college needs the same thing, right? So there's, there's really no difference between someone with 30 years of experience or no experience whatsoever. And I think that's the coolest part about what SimTrain provides to our customers is that safe environment, that, that sandbox, if you will. Go play. Go, go test some things out. Go get a feel for how you need to deliver the message. So it becomes yours, right? And it's your message, not just some words on a page that you need to read to somebody. That's, that's the worst delivery of a, of a sales story. I, I like Does that, that make sense? Absolutely. Because I think that's uh, you know, been one of my questions I have about the, the sales story of whose job is it to craft that story? Is it the owner of the company, the sales manager, the SDR themselves? What is that? Where does that story originate? And is it one story that should be incorporated to every conversation? Or does the story get adjusted to the buyer you're talking to? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, you know, any good story, right. If you watch a movie, read a good book, you, you know, even on TV, you know, there's, there's, you know, the story's the story. Right. And, and again, if our story was about SIM train or if it was about frontline, it becomes boring, right? It's like, yeah, it's great. But because our story is about our customers and our customer, right? It's, it's one story that, that everyone gets to tell. But when I come into a company, right. And as the, as the founder of, of SIM train and, and, and creating that discussion around the challenges that, you know, I had, right. And then the same challenges that our customers have and how they're solving those and what they're doing to solve for that and the benefits they're getting, right. You know, going through, you know, faster repetition, instant feedback, those types of things, speed to proficiency and the ROI behind it. And that, you know, being able to save ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 per new hire wow. by, by deploying this sort of technology, it becomes one centralized story that everyone gets to tell and they get to tell it differently because, you know, I don't, I, I you know, as much as, the story could be great, but if, if you handle it rote and you're trying to tell Dan McCann's story, Kyle, it's just not as believable as when it's Kyle's story, right? It's, 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 it's cause you're telling it. It's from your perspective, like why, you know, why the Roosevelt room, right? You have your reason, but I also have my reason why I think, you know, the Roosevelt marketing from the Roosevelt room is pretty cool. And I told it on this discussion today yeah. from my point of view, yeah. But it's it's it should be pretty similar to your story because it's what you told me. It's the reason you set it up in the first place, right? So it's the same story, but it's just told by a different narrator. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's what I love and what you're having to say here is that aspect of all right. It's one thing for me to tell you, hey Dan, here's my story. Here's why I started Roosevelt Room. Here's why I started Note of the Quo. Here's what it can do for your business. But when then I can get you to buy into my story and make it become part of your story, you're not selling yourself on whatever we may have to offer. And I think that's what I, I'm picking up and what you're saying of a good storyteller helps the buyer become part of their own story and seeing their role in being able to, of what whatever the product or service is, is going to be able to solve their problems and, and help them save the damsel in distress. Absolutely. No. And, and I've been at trade shows, right. Where, where I've talked to people and, you know, ask them about themselves and what they're doing. And they ask me and I just, I'll ask them some questions. Right. And so, you know, I, I tell them, Hey, we're doing, we're doing some pretty cool stuff with conversational AI, you know, tying that to the desktop in order to improve performance, right. You know, speed to proficiency and onboard faster. Have you guys done anything in that area? Like, what are you doing? And then getting them to talk and then, yeah. and then integrating my value proposition into that discussion around, you know, you know, the types of challenges that clients resolve, right. With, you know, you know, the consistency, the reinforcement, the ability to give people the, the ability to know, that they can be effective in their job and that confidence. And when people get excited about it and sitting there in the same trade show where someone I just met five minutes ago, tells somebody, Hey, you know what Dan does? And they tell my story to them. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's cause it's not, it's not just my story. It's a story about what customers are doing to become more effective. Right. And, and I think, I think in, in fairness, because you're always adding new customers, the story evolves over time, right? Mm -hmm. the, you know, like right now, you, you have a series right now on sales, right? And so that's, that's what marketing from the Roosevelt Room is doing today. But that, that migrates over time as you start seeing new things and customers are getting more value from it and it aligns to, you know, your, 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 your other business no to the quo, right? It's it just the story evolves and it doesn't change. It's not, you're not doing new things, but you're just adding more value. You're adding more customers and customers bring a ton of value as well to, Hey, you know, can you do this? And they start impacting the product roadmap. They start impacting the story. They start impacting the culture and the people that work for you because they get excited about the fact that the story that you're telling is about the customer Yeah, and then the yeah. customer interacts it just makes it, it makes it fun to get up and go to work every day. With that. And I don't think that's asking a whole lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, one thing I love to make really practical about what you're saying here that I'm pulling out is being able to bring the buyer into the sales process really starts by asking good questions. 
clients and being able to help them see, you know, you talked about, okay, what we're doing uh, with this technology, with that type of service, are you, what are you guys currently doing with it? We'd love to know, because I think asking good questions is so much part of where the story originates and, um, and it's, it's what helps build that second and third level to the story. We'd love to have any insights you have on what are the good questions to ask. If there are bad questions you'd say, like salespeople, we need to stop asking these questions. But here's really how you get <laughs> to the heart of understanding your buyer's needs as, and then bringing them into the story behind your product or service. I know I'm kind of throwing this uh, long-winded long question at you, but is there a simple way that you could say, simple ways, foundational ways to ask good questions? Yeah, absolutely. Think about what we're talking about too, right? So, so there's a lot of terms that are being thrown around right now, like account-based, account-based marketing, account-based selling, account-based prospecting, right? It's like, you know, how do you pinpoint in a, in a specific account, a specific persona and role, how do you pinpoint the types of things that they need? Well, it's understanding your customers, right? And, and so, the types of questions that are really good questions are the ones that tie back to my current customers, right? So for example, right, if I'm talking to somebody in, in sales leadership, right? And so, hey, so a lot of the sales leaders that we're working with are telling us X. Is that something you're challenged with or, or do you have other challenges that, that are more important or higher priority to you, right? And so you're bringing context into the question so instead, of, if you come to me and just checklist, right, you know, what's your challenges, what's your problems, what's your initiatives, goals for the year, da-da-da, eventually it's like, okay, Kyle, why, why are you asking me this stuff? Right? It doesn't even make sense to me. I mean, I get it. I've, I've read the book on spin selling. I've read, I've read, you know, the book on, you know, questions and probing. I understand account base, right? It's like, yeah. but why are you asking me this, yeah. right? A good question has context tied to it, right? A good question like aligns to you know, what's important to me as a VP of sales or what's important to me. I'm running operations for a service team. You know, just don't ask me, Hey, what are, you know, what are my top three? What keeps me up at night? Top three things and blah, blah, blah. I, 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 you know what? It's not going to take me before two or three questions that you ask me that there's no context behind before I'm just going to get frustrated and bored. And so it, you know, what's worse than that is you telling me everything about Kyle but then, then it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, now I got a question. Why are you asking me? Do you even know? Or are you just waiting to tell me everything about Kyle? But you know that would be awkward, so you want to ask me a couple questions first and then tell me about Kyle, right? Yeah, yeah. So a, a good question has context. A good question aligns to the types of things that whether you know me or don't know me, you, you know what I do. You know my role. You know the things that your customers do with folks and personas that have similar roles. So bring that into the question, bring it into the dialogue. And then, and then all of a sudden we can have a conversation about the types of things I am interested in, I am focused on. And, and what happens there is I start to build trust with you. And, 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 and by doing that, I'm going to open up a little bit more and I'm going to feel more comfortable because I feel as though this guy has some credibility. He kind of spent some time understanding, if not me, his own customers. So I like, I like him. I'm going to share more. I'm going to see what he, what he, what do you truly can do for me? And I'll feel comfortable being more open by putting context into the question. I think that's the key to how you phrase things and how, how you ask. Yeah. And so let me take it one level deeper because I think what, uh, well, you're talking about comfortability. I love that. And I want to know in, in those conversations or conversation, uh, as my question will allude to, can you build that level of a level of comf- comfortability and confidence is what I was trying to ask. Can you build that in the initial call or in your perspective, does it take a, a little bit more time to develop the type of trust with a potential client? So, I mean, trust is a funny thing, right? It, 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 it's, it's trust and respect. I think it comes quickly, right? Is, and, and it comes through the, the, the way you interact. Right. For example, you know, you can have someone who's highly confident and who's really conceited and they talk about themselves and their braggers just in your personal life. It doesn't take you too long to say, yeah, that's great. This guy's well accomplished. And apparently they really enjoy hanging out with themselves. So (laughs) I'd rather I'd I'd rather them do that than me because it's painful 
for, for me to have to listen to these people. Right. So, I mean, you, you, you see the things that you do in personal life and we have, you know, one of our core values is business is personal. Hmm. Right. Cause I always hated when people said, Hey, you know, it's not personal it's business. Well, I'm a person that you do business with and I'm a human being. So it's kind of personal to me, yeah, <laughs> especially if you're trying to, right. If, if you're trying to trick me or, or talk at me instead of with me. Right. And it's like, you know, so that's one of our four core values anyway. So it's, so it's, it's my point to you is I think it's kind of easy to build trust on the first call, right. To build confidence with somebody because of how you interact with them. Right. Is it, 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 it it's not that hard to pick up on all this person wants to do. And, and, and it, especially from my perspective, because I spent 30 years, not just in sales, but also sales enablement and sales training. If I see somebody who's young and green and, and they're talking at me or asking questions that I don't think they understand, I'll kind of guide them and coach them if, if you could to that. maybe how to make some, yeah, to make adjustments. Hey, are you asking me this? Are you trying to figure out that? Yeah. And if they can't pick up on what I'm doing, then you know, I'm not interested. I'll, <laughs> I'll move on. And, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you know, it, I don't think it takes more than, you know, and again, elevator pitch, you know, you know, 30 seconds, can you build trust? No. Right. But if your elevator pitch has the right angle to it, so I'm intrigued to ask a question or two more and you get a few minutes with me and, and within a few minutes, I, I understand that you're all about your customers and you're all about, you know, the types of you know, challenges that you're helping the personas that you think might be similar to mine are doing. And I can see that you're genuine behind it. Then, then you're building trust with me yeah. from, from, you know, the, from word number one. I love that. And, you know, so let me, let me make the transition here without trying to disguise it in any way. Cause I think what you're talking about, you've mastered this ability and you certainly didn't do that overnight, but you've created a platform to help others be able to master that ability to, to guide the buyer, to understand as a seller where they're missing the mark and where the buyer may be guiding them. Like you alluded to a moment ago and you created a, yep. a, a, a AI type platform that gives this real world experience know how to improve through SimTrain. So I know we talked a little bit about SimTrain in a moment, but love to have you share anything more about us. If, you know, you also said that some of the, you know, this is where I love you. Sell me on it, sell our listeners on it, because I think this is revolutionizing the way people, well, the way sales representatives are getting real time feedback. And as you said earlier, if I caught it right, it's about ten to $15,000 per sales rep that you're saving businesses from having the churn you normally go through. Oh yeah. No, so real quick on that one, you know, we, we were talking to folks, you know, when we, before we decided to do this as a business and, and we started reaching out to our kind of our network, right. You know, that, that safety zone that we had developed over time. And we, and we started sharing our data and saying, Hey, we're calculating like, 10 grand or up to 15,000 in savings per new hire. And, and they looked at our calculation like, yeah, but you're not factoring in your opportunity costs. We're actually thinking you might be light. And that's when we, that's when we realized like, Oh, wait a minute. You know, I think there's a business here, right? You, you know, 10 grand is a lot of money to save on a new hire. 15 grand's obviously 50% more. But when, when, when folks are telling you like, Hey, what about the opportunity cost of getting someone up to speed over six months, you know, 12 month period and having to restart that from the beginning, you, you could be talking six figures per, wow. right wow. I, we, Yeah. But we, I would never share that. It's not a number I would ever go to the market and say, Oh, so we're going to save you six figures per, per new hire. It's like, then I'd be, I'd be like instant non-credibility there. But you know, some folks calculate it that way based on how they view their opportunity costs and how long it takes them to onboard, sure. you know, their, their, their employees and the impact attrition has on their business. I, I spend a lot of time because this is my new world, right? Scaling talent, you know, helping customers develop people and, and their people. So, you know, assessing this and analyzing it is, is yeah, there is some validity in some of these measures around the opportunity costs you know, the real dollars are, you know, tied closer to that 10 to 15 K, but you know, the, the opportunity cost is much greater because, because then there's these other subjective measures around impact on culture, impact on the rest of your employees on turnover. And if you're, if you're starting to do the right things that are more employee focused, 
how much impact does that have on your current customers yeah. and your customer experience and satisfaction? So you could take this pretty far, but, but again, you know, hard dollars. Yeah. 10, 15 K, but all, all, all exciting topics that I, I get very intrigued That's by huge. the whole That's gamut huge. from, from the hard dollars through, you know, what, what our COO calls our, our blue dollars, right. Yeah. Which are, you know, based on the logo, the, the soft costs or the blue dollars that, uh, you know, are, are more, they're definitely real money, but, it, and there's a huge impact there. But so it's, it's just a way of how you calculate and factor in that, in that value. So as a, just a long winded way of saying, yeah, there's even more to it than, than just the 10 to 15, you know, hard dollar, um, you know, return. Wow. Okay. And I know we talked about a little bit at the middle of our conversation here, but just to kind of bring it full circle again, walk me through what in what is it the sim train is providing to be able to help save the 10 to 15 if not higher dollars and then as a follow-up to that how can people follow up with you to learn more about sim train yeah so 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 uh, a few things right and I, I appreciate the the pseudo plug there but um you know the the what we're doing with customers is we're we're providing them uh, a platform to build customized and personalized simulations based on any sort of prospect or customer interaction, right? And and so they're able to quickly build in a matter of minutes uh, a recreation of a, a prospecting call or a sales call or a customer support call, no matter how simple or how complex. They're recreating those and building them in a simulated environment so they're they're pre-hires, you know, and they can do performance-based assessments before you ever hire somebody with simulation and sim train yeah. to onboarding and onboarding and new hires, right? And and being able to put these individuals into the situations that align to what you're teaching them. It's like, you know, we're, we're, we're totally transforming how people learn and how employees learn. So, you know, where it used to be instructor-led and you'd sit down for two weeks or sometimes God forbid, a, a month or two and just be told, you know, 10 years ago, here's all the things you have to do. And, 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 and it's like, okay, great. Now, how, when do I go do that? How do I know that I picked up on it, right? The doorway effect. I think the doorway effect says, I think you lose about 80% of what you learned as soon as you walk through the door, right? Wow. Yep. So it's, it, it, so two months worth of activity, I picked up about a, about a week's worth of value or two, two, you know, a week's worth of value out of that. And then I got to learn on the job. Right. And then, and then we migrate to computer-based training and CBT and, and, and it's like, okay, so we're doing the same thing. It's like a talking head who's telling us, here's the things you need to know, Dan. And you, but by the way, you can do this on your own time. You don't have to sit in a classroom and have the instructor tell you, you on your own time, you can log in and have this computerized, you know, talking head tell you. Right. And so we're saving our customers from that because you still need to convey content and talking heads and instructors, those they're really important. But if you're telling me to do something and then you're saying, Oh Dan, go watch Kyle. Cause he's really good at this. Yeah. So you told me what to do. You first, you told me what to do and then I get to watch Kyle do it. And then, and then all of a sudden I eventually I'm going to turn to you and go, well, what about me? Yeah. What, do you, what do you mean? But how do I know if I can do it? Uh, you'll figure it out when you get on the floor and your managers will watch you. And, and we got this kind of transition period and it all come full circle in about month two or three, you'll have this aha moment and you'll really just figure it all out. Right. Instead, what SimTrain does, it says, well, go do it. Right. I told you what to do. You watch Kyle. Now you do it. When? Now. Oh, well, I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. So go in the corner and do it there. You, you, I get our customers get to practice exactly what they're learning the instant they're learning it or within five minutes of learning it and get to deploy it in a, in a simulated situation on how to become effective. And they're not going to be awesome in, in the first time through or the second time through, but I guarantee you at the end of week one, when you're practicing and you're getting reinforcement and instant feedback on the types of things you're being told to do, and you're getting this hands-on experience of how to do it with, with SimTrain, you know, our, our our customers love it. And, and, and I mentioned earlier, it doesn't matter if you're fresh out of college and you're like, you have no, and you're green and you got no experience or you got 30 years experience. Right. And, and it's like, go do it. Okay, yeah. good. And all of a sudden, you know, what, what's happening? I'm building confidence. I'm getting it. I'm, 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 you know, reinforcing it. And our, our customers build some of the coolest content you could imagine in how they pull systems and some video and conversation into one situation 
and, and recreate some really cool stuff. So I can do crazy complex stuff or, or really simple stuff, right? And, and I get that opportunity to go through it. I get to listen to myself. I get instant scoring. I mean, our customers, not only do they get the scoring on the content on what they're saying, but they get the sentiment scores on the customer experience they're, they're delivering, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, I'm a guy from the Northeast originally. I live in Atlanta now. But I get very emotional in my dialogue and my conversation. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. People know I'm passionate about, you know, what I'm saying. It's like, no, Dan, what you don't understand is oftentimes people get scared of you <laughs> because of your passion behind your voice, right? Yeah. And, and, and Sim, SimTrain will tell you that, right? It'll, it'll tell you, hey, you know, you, you know, from an enthusiasm perspective, you're going over the meter here and, and you might be going too much. And you get that feedback. Yeah. So, so, so your managers don't have to tell you, Hey, Dan from the North, you know, you're, you're in the Southeast now you got, you got to make some adjustments to how you deliver. Right. So, um, those are all the, those are all the areas of, of where our customers are seeing value and what they're doing. And, you know, we're, we're, I believe we're saving new hires and saving folks from, from their, uh, you know, fear and anxiety of getting on the floor and having to learn in customer scenarios and learn real time. And then we're saving our clients too, because like, well, you don't want Dan learning on your customers, right? You want Dan learning in a simulated environment. So when he gets live with a customer, he's not going to make a negative impact on your most valuable asset or your, by the way, your two most valuable assets, you know, your employee and your customer. I love that. I love that. And I can see now in the way you've set that up, not only is it saving money and being able to train your staff better, but I imagine that increasing sales as well because you're improving their effectiveness. And in some cases, and, and this is, these are some crazy numbers, like cutting training time, not just in half, but 70%, right? Oh. And, and not just training time, like, oh, we're done with training, but actually where somebody's competent, they have the confidence and they can actually be effective at building real sales pipeline or whatever their job, you know, responsibility is. They're being productive, proficient, effective, and even efficient in their role coming out of training because they have so much repetition, right? You think yeah. about like, you know, poker, um, you, you, you watch, um, the, uh, what's the poker tournament every year that well, they're doing the, the, yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. And they win tens of millions of dollars now, right? Yeah. Like 10 years ago, I think first prize was like 800 grand. Now it's like 12 million. Wow. And, and if you, the final table, if you look at the final table, it's all guys under 25, right? Under 30. Cause those are, those are the people who are getting millions of repetitions at poker hands, right? Where guys, my age, it's like, I'll go play in a live game around the corner and I think I'm good until I go face one of these kids, right? Oh, yeah. Or one of these people oh, yeah. who do online, online poker and they just destroy me. It's like, <laughs> I literally don't have any idea. I just won my four games in a row last four months in my neighborhood. And then I'll go, I'll go to Vegas and I'll sit down and boom, you know, 200, 400, 500 bucks, whatever I'm putting on the table's gone, you know, as, as quick as oh, I, yeah. as quick as I sit down. Cause these guys, they know everything. It's like, you know, they know every, every single situation cause they've run through it. Yep. Uh, and that's what, that's what it's similar. That's what SimTrain's doing for our clients in with their employees, giving them those situations to run through practice and perfect, you know, in order to become more effective employees. And I get that this is a reach, but I think that, you know, kind of bring, bring correlation. I love what you're saying of um, that repetition. You know, I think about um, famous comedians or some of our greatest storytellers today and those who write the books and those who write the movie plays, the amount of repetitions they had to go through to be able to get to the level of seniority and popularity they have there. It wasn't very, very few times do you sit down and write a book and become a New York Times bestseller. It's you've had to write probably five different stories until someone actually says, wow, I actually give a damn. This is something I want to, I want to read. And so that aspect of being able to get the repetitions in writing stories and, and telling a joke, like, you know, the most comedians, they have a story in, the, in, in their routine that they're trying to carry. And in here, the sales that we're talking about, the, the story process, SimTrain's giving that opportunity to get the repetition and being able to ask the right questions to help tell 
the story behind their product or service. Absolutely. Right. And, and you watch some of the best comedians out there and, and sure their jokes are funny, but some of the bad comedians jokes are funny. The difference between the, the two are the ones and how they command the room. Yeah. Right. And, and, and how they deal with hecklers. It's like, it's like, how did they do that? They, and, and oftentimes though, the, they have, like a set way that they'll deal with certain hecklers and there might be a half a dozen ways. Right. And then, and then they work from that. And then it's like, okay, so I've mastered the story. I've mastered the repetition of my story. Now I'm starting to master the room. Now I'm starting to master the hecklers. Now I'm becoming more real, more human in my delivery. And, and I don't know about you, especially because a lot of stuff's moving to bots and, and automation around a lot of the repetition of the early stage of, of, of sales activities, right. Or anything service sales, you know, I can, I can get automation around what I'm doing. Okay, cool. So, so by the time I get with a sales rep, right. I have a, I have a very high expectation of that sales rep because I've already, not only have I done all my research and I'm like 70% or 65% through my buyer's journey already. And I know your company, but then if I'm getting a lot of this data through automation and I'm interacting with bots that are within your org, your, your peer is, 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 is a bot, right? By the time I engage with you, my expectation of what's coming from you is so much higher today than it was just five years ago. Sure. Right. And so, you, you have to be so much better. It puts a lot more pressure on you. You can't ask me those stupid questions I was talking about before. Tell me what keeps you up at night. Tell me your journey. What's all this? Like, dude, Dan, I've been through that with your bot <laughs> two weeks ago. I've already researched all this stuff. You asked me to submit forms, blah, blah, blah. You know, why don't you start telling me what you guys can do for me, right? In my world, in my environment. It's like, whoa, the expectations is so much greater and, and the requirements are so much higher on professional sellers today than it was 5, 10, 20 years ago, um, that it, 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 having the ability to get a chance to run through it, repetition, those core components of your story, those just need to be wrote and not even thought so you can be a human when you're speaking to folks. That's, that's I mean, that's the whole objective anyway. That's good. I love that. Well, Dan, so normally I try to save last question or try to take it a level deeper and um, to, uh, to wrap it up. But I got to be honest here. I feel like I've been asking these second levels, third level questions of you that I feel I got a really strong clarity of, of what next steps are in regards to being able to make sales practical, the value of uh, repetition and being able to uh, bring story into the sales process by asking questions and by being able to really understand where in the process the buyer is. So I guess the simplest way I can try to wrap it up is saying, is there anything else you would have to encourage our listeners in your experience or the clients that you've worked with? With in the sales process of being able to practically craft and tell your story? Two things. You know, first off, I'm going to get destroyed when my marketing team and, and my, you know, operations folks listen to this because you gave me the opportunity to tell people, Hey, how do I, how do I get in touch with SimTrain? And I didn't do that. I was so excited about telling you, you know, <laughs> what our customers get from SimTrain <laughs> that, you know, I never said, Hey, just shoot a note to info at SimTrain. And that's with a Y S Y M T R A I N.com or go to SimTrain.com and check us out. So that, that first I want to start there, Yeah. but, but I will tell I will tell you, you know, like anything else, right. It's, it's almost like, you know, the, the, the Allen Iverson, uh, you know, practice, are we talking practice, right? Is, uh, I mean, is the ability to make an impact through repetition, through practice is really important, right? And the impact is on you, the individual contributor, right? If, if I want to get good at something, I need to work at it, right? And I can work at my craft with customers. I can work at my craft with colleagues. I can work at my craft any way I choose, right? So even if you don't become a customer of SimTrain, I don't know why you wouldn't, but if, if you don't, just work at it, practice it. Find ways to actually go out and get better at what you do, no matter what it is you do, right? If you're a professional seller, become really good at selling, right? If you're a janitor or a high school football coach, Become really good at coaching. Work 
work on your craft, not just on the game field or the practice field, work on it on your own time too. find ways to get better. You know, I, I remember, you know, one of the reasons SimTrain is so passionate for me is when we were starting frontline selling, I was the first person working on behalf of our customers and calling their prospects and trying to set appointments for them. Right. Yeah. So what did I do? I got, I got scared. I got nervous. I got anxious every day before I started that job. Right. So I'd pick up the phone and I'd call a friendly, you know, voice, right. Someone I knew. And I'd instantly just jump into role play mode. Just, I would start role playing with them. I would just work at what I was doing. And it would just like, people are like, what are you doing? Like, I wouldn't even say, Hey, can I role play with you? I would just jump right into, right into role play mode and just go. And after a while, people would figure it out and then I'd have to go to a new friendly voice because the types of things that they were saying to me was is like they were being mean to me to get me to stop being in role. Yep. And it just made me so much more comfortable that when I called a C-level executive at a Fortune you know, 50 or Fortune 500 company on behalf of our clients, I already, I already got beaten up earlier that day from one of my good friends or buddies that uh, it, just made, it just made my job easier. It just made life easier for me. So you know, do the types of things you need to do to be effective in whatever you're doing, work on them, find the right way to work on them. And if you can provide that to others so, so they can feel comfortable in what they're doing. I just think it, it's the type of thing, like even saying it to you right now, I kind of feel my chest like falling in a little, I feel more comfortable. It's like when you do things for other people, right? Like your story, it's about your customers or when you're out looking to help you know, your colleagues or help people that work for you or help your customers. It just makes life better and easier. And it makes your job that much more enjoyable. I think from my perspective, you know, that would be my parting words, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, how to get value from, from, uh, you know, your own journey and and what you're doing. That's awesome, man. I love that. I, I love that aspect of being able to become the master at what we're doing and the, the value of repetition. Uh, it's been something that's been dear to my heart and knowing uh, both what we do here at Note of the Quo as well as professionals I've hired to help train myself and they've resonated with the same training of you just got to get out there and do it. You got to get out there before you you know try picking up the phone and getting on with a customer get on with someone that you're not going to be as intimidated and scared by. So I think that's right on uh, and, and, and real practical advice that we can take today. So thank you for leaving us with that. No, absolutely, Kyle. And thank you. I enjoy talking to you. I you're, you know, you're, this, this podcast will do well because you're an easy, easy guy to talk to for, for any, uh, anyone coming to join you on the podcast. Uh, I'm honored to hear that, man. Thank you for your time today. It's really, tr- it really has been a privilege having you with us, being able to talk story, uh, talk process, talk communication, and then what SimTrain is doing to be able to bring a greater level of sophistication and scalability to sales teams. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Hey, I want to thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I know you have a lot of options on what podcasts you can listen to. So thank you sincerely for taking the time to join us for this one. If you have enjoyed this conversation, we'd love to keep it going in our Facebook group, Marketing from the Roosevelt Room with Kyle Willis. In that, we have live video, Q&A, and create more of a dialogue. We'd love to keep the conversation going. So please join us on Facebook. Otherwise, look forward to catching you on our next episode. Have a great day.